piece of armory each Sunday. And I think it's uh, been helpful. Ephesians uh, 6, verse 10, we read these verses to start each session. So let's pick up here. Paul is the apostle. You know, he's writing to the church at Ephesus. And he's uh, talking about the armor of God. He compares the armor that a Roman soldier wore to the armory that God has provided for us. And so notice here in Ephesians 6.10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, to get the most out of this, if you missed any of the sessions, you need to go to the church website and listen to the sermons or the messages we preached you know, over the last several weeks. Because like that word, finally, I spent several minutes on talking about what that word finally actually means. So I just, I can't go over that again today. We just never get finished. Also, I did want to call attention to a book that Rick, anybody ever hear of Rick Renner? He's a excellent minister. And he has a book out that's uh, on the armor of God. It's titled, uh, Dressed to Kill. <laughs> And not to kill other people, but to kill the, the devil, you know, and, uh, and come against him. I don't know that I would have titled the book that way, but he titled it that way. And so you have to realize we're not out to kill people. Is that right? <laughs> but I've drawn, I've read the book and I've, uh, I've drawn a lot of good things from his book. So I want to, of course, give him credit for that. I'd recommend that anybody that can get that book, uh, Rick Renner, Dressed to Kill, it's about the armor of God. And uh, so I want to give credit to him where, where it's due, an excellent minister, and I've gotten some good things from his book. So anyway, Ephesians 6.10, <clears throat> finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God. So we have to put it on. When, we get, when a sinner gets saved and becomes a Christian, the entire armor of God is available to that Christian, but just because it's available doesn't mean we have it on. I've got a whole bunch of clothes at home, but I just have certain pieces on this morning, right? Now, remember last week I showed you about the shoes a piece? You can have shoes but not have them on. Is that right? So you have to put, you have to put these pieces of armory on or they'll do you no good. Just because you own something or have something or have a piece of clothing doesn't do you any good unless you have it on. And remember how to put on the armor of God? You put it on by learning what each piece is and walking in the light and the revelation of that piece. Is that right? People have asked me over the years, well, how do I put my armor on? How do I do it? It's God's armor. He gave it to me when I got saved. How do I put it on? You put it on by learning what each piece is and walking in the light and the revelation of that particular piece. So put on, verse 11, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not, not wrestle against flesh. And remember, there is a devil out there, isn't there? And he's, he's, he's a terrible individual and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. destroy kill, steal from you, kill you, destroy you, the whole thing, okay? He's not a nice individual. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay? But against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
So what we've said to you in the past, our, our struggle is not with the person that we work with. Is that right? Not with our next door neighbor. It's with demonic power. And remember, Jesus defeated the devil and his cohorts when, you know, through his death, burial, and resurrection. Is that correct? And we understand that. But remember, he left us here as the church as an occupying force. So we need to enforce the victory that Jesus has already won for us. Is that right? And so that's why we need to put this armor on. He's defeated the devil. We're just, remember we said last week, we're supposed to maintain the what? Maintain the crush. Okay? If you missed out on that, you can go to the internet and pick up on that. He, he wants us to maintain the what? The crush. The devil, crush, uh, Jesus crushed the devil. But we're supposed to remember with those shoes of peace and this armor on, stand on the devil's head and maintain the what? The crush. Okay, now, you know, we ought to get a t-shirt that says that, maintain the crush. I like that. That just came out by the Spirit of God last week. Maintain the crush. All right, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. So not just one or two of the pieces, but we need to have them all on. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all the stand, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. We talked about that. That's the belt of truth. That's the written word of God. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about that one. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We talked about that one last week, you know. Now today, verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked one. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And then let's get verse 17. Let's just read this. And take the helmet of salvation next week, the sword of the Spirit, which is the, that's the spoken word of God. Week after, next. Okay? And then praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. That, that's a lance. Now, he, he doesn't call attention to that, but the Roman soldiers had a lance. They actually had different different kinds of lances that they used, and and it was we'll talk about it. The lance of prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, supplication for all the saints. Okay, so the armor of God. Today we're talking about the shield of faith. Now notice verse sixteen. Verse sixteen. You got that? You see that? It says above all taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked one. Now, above all, above all implies to me, just if you just read that and you didn't know anything about the Greek language, you just, you just, as the New Testament was written into Greek, you know, if you just read that in English, above all, that means, that would mean to me that what we're going to read now is the most important. But that's not what that means in the Greek. A lot of times over the years I've taught on this, you know, and I, I didn't realize, is it wonderful we can develop and learn things as we go? I know more now than I knew 10 years ago. I know more now than I knew last year. And, I, and in the past I'd say, well, you know, that shield of faith, the Bible says above all, take the shield of faith. That's the most important one. No. This above all, well, let me say this. If we could put that picture up there of the Roman soldier, if we have that available. 
I think we have it available. <clears throat> the most important piece was the one we talked about the first. Well, I did an introduction. And then the second week, we talked about the what? The belt of truth. You remember, it, and it had some stuff that hung down here to protect his loins, private area. And around here, the belt of what? Which is the what? Written word of God. Now, the sword of the Spirit, it says the sword of the Spirit is the word of God, but we'll see as we get to it. The sword of the Spirit, the sword is the spoken word. We haven't talked about that yet. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks. But this belt here is the, it's a belt of truth. And is it the written or the spoken? It's the written word of God. It's the Bible. It's the only, see these, these we showed you in session one, these pieces of armory, only one of them came through from the spirit realm to the natural realm. And it's the belt of truth. Just leave that up there, please. It's the Bible. It's the only one of these pieces that you can hold and see and touch. The rest of them, the Bible says that, that, that the weapons are, are, of our warfare are, are not carnal. They're not natural, but they're spiritual, mighty in God. So, but the, the, the belt of truth, that belt that went all the way around his waist and then hung down here, that right there is the most important of all of these. It's the what? The written word of God. And when I showed you that all those other pieces really hinge on that. Now, with that picture still up there, today we're studying about this shield of faith. Now, it says above all, taking the shield of faith. When you study the above all, in the Greek language, it, it, it really should be translated this way. In addition to all of this. So he's been talking about these other pieces of armory, right? And then when he gets to the shield of faith, the English says above all. But in the Greek, it reads this way. In addition to all of this, or in addition to all of these, so what he's really saying, what this this should be translated, is is he, he says now after we've studied these other pieces, which we've already talked about, in addition to these other pieces, take the shield of faith as well as these other pieces we're going to talk about going forward. Did you get what I just said? So the shield of faith is not the most important one. The belt of truth is the most important one because that's the what? Written word of God. And all the other pieces hinge on that. What he really says is in, in addition to your your uh, in addition to your belt, which we talked about, and in, in, in addition to your breastplate, in addition to these shoes, now we're going to talk about the shield and the helmet and the sword and so forth. Okay? Now another way that it can be translated further is is this, uh, lift up over or hold out in front of. So this shield here, would you agree with me that that shield is being what? Held out in front of. So that's just so you know, when you read above all, you don't want to say, oh, the shield of faith is the most important one because it isn't. The word of God, the written word of God is. Now, 
remember, and, and I'll give you a, a verse for that here in a minute. The Christian soldiers, the Christian soldiers, shield of faith. Well, his wasn't a shield of faith. Ours is a shield of faith. But Paul is likening God's armor to this Roman soldier. This shield of faith here, when he didn't have it on his arm, it was clipped to his belt. He would hang it on his belt. So the shield of faith, the shield of this Roman soldier... You understand this is the Roman soldier, right? And this, these pieces of armory, what did Paul do? He likened the armor of God to these pieces. So that's not the shield of faith. That's the Roman shield. You got that? But the shield we have is likened to that. And our shield is called the what? Shield of faith. But this Roman soldier's shield hung on a clip on his what? On his belt. So that shield... Hinged upon the what? Upon the belt. The shield hinged upon the belt, right? The shield was hung on the belt of truth. So our shield of faith hinges upon the word of God. Look at Romans ten seventeen. Now let's read this. Romans ten seventeen. A lot of you know this one, but faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So would you agree with me? You can't even have faith if you don't have the written Word of God. And if you don't hear that written Word, you can't even have, you can't even have faith. Is that right? Yes or no? So you need to realize, and that's why we say the written Word of God is the most important one, because you, in this case, you can't, there is no shield of faith without the written word of God and you reading it and hearing it. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. You okay? Now, I want you to look at, you, you remember how I've told you and I've said that when, when a sinner gets born again, they become a Christian. They place their faith in Jesus. They become a Christian. That all these pieces of armory are made available. Is that right? Is, is that right? But we have to do what? Put them on. So I want to just show you here Romans 12.3 in the King James Version. I like the way it reads in the King James. Let's go to Romans 12.3. I want to look at the last part of that verse. A very la- the, the last two lines up there. We could read the whole thing, but sake of time here. God, and this is being written to Christians here. God has dealt to every... It says man, but every person, every Christian, God has dealt to every Christian man, every Christian lady, what? The measure of faith. So when we get saved, this shield of faith is available to everybody. Every Christian, that get, every sinner that gets saved, they become a Christian. God gives us the full armory. It's available. What we have to do, what? Put it on. And I just read that verse just to, to, for you to see that we've, as Christians, we've all been given a measure of what? Faith. But I know from my own life and from watching Christians for more than 30 some odd years, not all Christians, I mean, they had faith in Jesus and they got saved, you know, they, they, 
as a sinner. They had faith in Jesus. They repented of their sins. They received him. By grace, you've been saved through faith, you know. And they get saved, but then they don't do anything with their faith after that. Thank God that beats going to hell, doesn't it? But they never develop their faith. They never develop that shield. And they go through life with the devil continually shooting arrows at them and bombarding them with problems and things. And there's just no victory in the Christian's life. The Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And, and, and yet you see Christians continuously. I mean, the devil's going to shoot arrows at all of us. Is that right? But the Bible says we're supposed to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Is, is that right? And, and so why is it that, that so many Christians go under in defeat continuously? It's because they haven't developed the shield of faith. They have it. They got it when they got saved, but they haven't developed it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Are you okay? So then, to take up the shield and to, to, to put it on and have it clipped to your belt and then be able to grab a hold of it and put it up when the devil starts shooting arrows at you, you need to learn as much as you can about faith and live by it and walk by it. Is that right? Now, I could talk for hours and hours and hours on the subject of faith and have over the last many years. There's no way I could tell you everything you need to know about faith in 45 minutes. So I, I'm not even going to attempt to do that. I'm just talking about faith as a shield here today. But I do want go to Ro, uh, go, to, go to Hebrews 11.1. 1. I do want to tell you this because I don't want you to leave here without knowing what faith is. Now, we've talked about this so much, but from te being a school teacher years ago, teaching mathematics and then teaching the Bible, I've learned this, that you can go over stuff with folk a million times and they still don't get it, sad to say. So we want to go over things again and again. Repetition's the seed of learning, isn't it? So just, just simply here, right here, faith is the what? Substance of things, the evidence of things. Not seen. Now, that might be a little blind to us, so let's read it in the Amplified Version. It'll be on the screen. Now, faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Now, that's... Did you know that the Amplified, apparently there's two versions of it now. I guess that's a newer one. I like the classic. Let me read you the classic Amplified. Faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed. Say title deed. Of things we hope for. Being the proof of things we do not see. And the conviction of their reality. Faith perceives as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So, if the Bible says something belongs to me, it's mine. Faith says it's mine. I have it right now. Whether I can see it, whether I can feel it, whether I can smell it, taste it, hear it, doesn't matter. If the Bible says that it's mine, then faith says I have it now. 
regardless of how the situation appears in the natural. Did you get that? Yes or no? I'll say it another way. Faith acts like it's like it's so, like it's true. Is that right? Now we could talk for hours on this. Let me tell you this. Like particularly in the area of sickness and disease. That's a good one to use because we all deal with that from time to time. Faith, if, if the devil shoots a fiery dart at your body of sickness and disease, it's supposed to be quenched with the shield of faith. Is that right? But let's just say it gets, it, 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 it gets through and, 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 and hit, sickness hits your body. Faith does not ignore the problem. Did you hear me? Faith deals with the problem. Okay? Now, you understand that? And, and the Bible says that by Jesus' stripes, we are healed. So you look at your body, and your body feels and looks as though it's sick, but the Bible says you're what? So faith says, I have it now. And, of course... You act like it's so. Now, is there, anything go, is there anything wrong with going to a doctor and working with a good doctor? Absolutely not. Nothing wrong with going to the hospital. Nothing wrong with any of that. I believe doctors and hospitals and medicines have been given to us by God. I just think we ought to turn to God first before we turn to those things. Is that right? But, but they're there for us. Thank God for the good hospitals, good doctors, good medicines, and all of that. I'm all for it. And remember, the Apostle Paul had Luke, the physician, traveling with him. Is that right? And, and God used Paul to write most of the, the biggest part of the New Testament. So God's not against doctors. He's, he's for good doctors. Is that right? But I think we as Christians are too quick to turn first to the doctor. I think we ought to turn first to God and use the doctor if we need to. Is that right? But, but faith says I'm healed even though it looks like I'm not. Uh, my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So has he supplied all of my needs? Yes. Well, what if it looks like the needs aren't being supplied? Well, God, the Bible says God does what? Supplies all my needs. Now, you have to, he wrote that to a church that was supporting the gospel. If you don't support the gospel, you can't believe God to supply your needs because he's not going to do it. If you tip God when the offering bucket comes through, you don't support the work of God, God's not obligated to help you in your financial situation. Do you hear what I just said? But, but if you are, are consistent in supporting the work of the gospel, then he'll supply all your need. And, and now, you gotta do, now you can't use your credit card and run up $27 bazillion worth of bills over here and expect God to supernaturally supply. Or, is that right? How many of you know supernatural debt cancellation is not in the Bible? You, you can't believe for that. There's a couple of instances where God did that, but it's not a doctrine of the Bible. You understand that. Okay? Are you okay? But what am I trying to tell you? Faith, well, I could say this to you. Faith calls those things that be not as though they, so they are. 
So we could teach for hours on faith. How do you get your shield of faith up? How do you, God gave you the measure of faith when you got saved. How do you get it up there? You learn as much as you can about faith and you live by it, walk by it, and thus you keep your shield up. Can you say amen? Okay, so now what I'm going to tell you is something you really need to listen to and hang on very carefully. Let's put the Roman soldier back up there. I want you to listen to this. This is, if you don't get nothing else, you need to get this. You see that right there? That's the Roman soldier's shield. Represents our shield of faith. You need to know this. Are you listening? Hang on every word now, get this. The Roman soldier had two different shields. The Roman soldier, every Roman soldier had two kinds of shields, two different ones. And there's two Greek words that define each of the shields. He had one for battle and one for ceremony. In other words, when he would go in a parade, you know, he'd have the parade shield or when he was in some sort of a thing, you know, where he was not in battle, he was just, you know, he'd have that ceremonial shield. He also had a battle shield. How many shields did he have? Two. One was for ceremony and one was for battle. I'm going to tell you now why a lot of Christians die and they shouldn't die. They get killed and they shouldn't be killed. They, the devil takes them out young. Or, they, or, or, or the devil attacks them and there's such, such defeat in their life. How many shields did the Roman soldier have? One was for battle, the other was... Now... The shield for battle is the one, in the Greek language, the shield for battle is the one that Paul says we are to take up when the devil's shooting fiery darts at us. Not the ceremonial shield, but the battle shield. Now, here's the thing. These shields were similar. When you looked at them, they were similar. But upon closer inspection, they were very different. There were some size differences and whatnot. But the point is, they were very similar. But upon closer inspection, they were very different. The ceremonial shield, if he went in the battle, let's say the enemy's out there firing the darts, the darts, the arrows. And we're going to talk about the arrows in just a moment. But the enemy's firing those arrows... And let's say that he grabs the ceremonial shield and he goes out into battle with the ceremonial shield. Guess what's going to happen when those those arrows hit that ceremonial shield? They're going to just crack that shield. It's going to crumble, fall apart, and the arrow's going to get through and hit the soldier. Did you get that? You don't take the ceremonial shield into battle you take the battle shield into battle. Did you get that? Now, I said that to say this. There is something 
that looks like faith. It'll even talk like faith. It'll seem to be faith. But it is fake. Do you get what I just said? How many battle shields did he have? One was for battle and one was for ceremony. You take that ceremonial shield into battle, you're going to be hurt and hurt bad. Lots of Christians are taking their ceremonial shield into a battle against the devil and the devil will whip you every single time because your ceremonial shield is not made to take the arrows of the devil. There is something that looks like faith. It sounds like faith. It'll even act like faith. But it's not faith. I would put it this way. It's a mental assent. How many of you know mental assent is not the same as heart faith? Mental assent appears to be faith. It'll talk like faith. It can even act like faith for a while, for a little while. But it's not. It's a fake faith. Look, if you would, at 2 Timothy 1.5. In the King James Version, 2 Timothy 1.5, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and he says this. He says, 2 Timothy 1.5, When I call to remembrance the un... The un... Uh, the what? Un, what kind of faith? Come on, help me. The unfeigned faith that is in thee. See, if something is feigned, feigned means it's artificial, it's fake, it's counterfeit, it's pretend, it's not genuine. If something is feigned, it's fake, it's artificial, pretend, not genuine. If something is unfeigned, that means it's genuine, it's real, it's not disguised, it's not pretend. So Paul was telling Timothy, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, he was giving Timothy a compliment. He said, your faith, and then he talks about his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, he was saying that the faith that is in you all is unfeigned. In other words, it's real faith. Isn't that wonderful? But if something can be unfeigned, then it could be Feign. Do you know in the New Testament, this word unfeigned, now listen to this, this word unfeigned is used four times. Twice it's used in connection with faith. The other two times it's used in connection with love. Is there a fake love? Absolutely. I've had people stand at that door over the last 20 some odd years. I love you, Pastor. The greatest message I ever heard. And, and it won't be a half hour. They'll be sitting at some restaurant in the area shooting knives in my back with their words. And I did nothing to them but love them. Some of them paid their mortgage payment for them. Is there a fake love? I love you. I love you. Oh. Have you ever had somebody tell you that and I'd rather hear, what does Brother Hagin say? I'd rather hear a donkey brain at a tin barn at midnight than listen. Huh? How many, how many of you have ever had somebody tell you they love you and you know that 
and then they'd stab you right in the back. Is there a fake love? Is there a real love? So there's a feigned love, there's an unfeigned love. The same thing's true with faith. There's a real faith, there's a fake faith. You know, you know, and then it's interesting that the word unfeigned is used with faith, it's used with love. It's interesting because faith works by love, according to the book of Galatians. So if you got fake love, you're definitely going to have fake faith. Right? Now, why did I bring this up? Because there's a lot of... I've, look, I've watched this. I've had it happen to me in my life. I've watched lots of Christians where the devil shoots one of his three kinds of arrows. We'll see these in a minute. He shoots one of those three kinds of arrows, those fiery darts, shoots them at a Christian, and the Christian sees the darts coming or whatnot, and they grab, there's how many shields to grab? And they grab the ceremonial shield, and they stand up there, and they're saying all the right stuff, and they're this and that and the other. It's a fake faith. It's not real. It looks real, it sounds real, it acts real for a while. How many of you know you could, you could come to church and talk Christianese? Is that right? Yes or no? Is that right? Oh, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Amen, 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 hallelujah, praise God. Huh? But they will go to Walmart and that same person will cuss. Is that right? Or talk doubt and unbelief or whatever the case. No, when we grab the shield, so many Christians, here comes a fiery dart, got, got this attached to it or that attached to it, some bad thing. Grab the ceremonial shield, stand up there, and what happens? The, that, arrow hit, that, that arrow hits that shield and cracks it, comes through and gets the, knocks you down, hurts you, some cases kills you. No, we don't want to take the ceremonial shield. That's a fake shield. It's, it, 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 it's not meant for battle. It wasn't put together for battle. Do you understand there's something that looks like faith, talks like faith, will act like faith for a while, but it's not really faith? Do you understand that? And that's that rep- representative of that ceremonial shield. And there's a lot of Christians that have been to churches like this one and have learned some things about faith, but they've never really taken the time to get into the Word for themselves and really dig in there and really build that shield. Did Jesus talk about great faith? Talk about little faith? And then there's fake faith. You grab that ceremonial shield and you try to... I've watched tons of Christians. They grab the ceremonial shield and they're standing there. And, they're, and then they wonder how come everything's... How come they're getting hit, that they're getting pummeled by the devil? It's because they've got this fake ceremonial shield up there. Right? How many of you know what a bulletproof vest is? There's a bulletproof vest and there's a vest. And you look at the two of them, you might not be able to tell the difference, but until you get up closer, that, that, that bulletproof vest is a lot thicker. Now, if you knew you were going to be shot, would you rather have the regular vest on, the ceremonial vest, or the real vest? With the... That's an easy one, isn't it? So if you knew that the devil was going to shoot an arrow at you, would you want the fake ceremonial shield or the real shield, of the battle shield? The only way to get that battle shield is you gotta you gotta get into the Word of God for yourself. Study it, read it, ponder it, meditate it day and night. 
I just told you right there why Christians don't get healed. I just told you there why Christians don't have their needs met. I'm talking about even Christians that support the work of the gospel. They, the devil attacks them, and they got that fake shield up there. And you know what? I, I, I've noticed this too. When, when Christians walk around with this fake shield, you know who usually gets the blame almost without exception? Well, God didn't come through for me. I've been believing God all these years. I've believing God all these years. I've been, I heard the word. I go to church. I pay my tithes. I've been believing God all these years. And he's holding out on me. Oh, God, why don't you heal me? Oh. You know what? You're holding the wrong shield. And God takes the blame. No, we need to put the ceremonial shield away. And by the way, the ceremonial shield is the one that you normally see at churches. Sounds like faith, looks like faith, and can act like faith while at church until you get home and then the real you comes out. The doubt and the belief starts, doubt and unbelief starts spewing out. Huh? Huh? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, oh yeah, God supplies all of my needs until you get in the car. I wonder how come God hasn't come through for me. Oh, God heals all my diseases and removes all my sickness. You say that at church and you get home and the body starts hurting. And God, why, how come you done, how come you letting this happen to me? You got the what, the fake shield. Am I right or not? I know I'm right. I'm not preaching this to put anybody down. I've done a lot of these things. I've spent some time with the fake shield, and you just get pummeled by the devil. There's a word in the Old Testament in the, uh, in the, in the psalm, Selah. And it, it, it probably means we need to pause and think on this. That's what the Holy Ghost wanted me to do. We need to pause and think about what I just said right there about. How many shields? Can you see now why so many Christians go down in defeat? They got that ceremonial shield. Are you okay? Now that was worth coming to church for just to get that. Now let me go on just a little while longer. Can you take a little more here? A little bit more, okay. So what was the Roman soldier's battle shield made of? Well, the shield for battle was composed of usually six layers of animal skins or hide, animal hide or skins, that were tanned and woven together tightly and was almost as strong as steel. So when I looked at that soldier's shield up there, it looked like brass or metal to me. But if you really study into this, the shield for battle was composed of about six layers of animal skins or hide that were tanned and woven together tightly and was almost as strong as steel. The Roman soldier, now listen to this. The Roman soldier had to tend to and care for his battle shield every day. They had a daily schedule for caring for their battle shield. 
daily. Real loud say daily, daily. See, the real shield, the ceremonial shield, they didn't have to do much to that. Maybe polish it once in a while before a parade or whatever. Before you come to church, you know, be sure get your Christianese going and, you know. But the battle shield needed attended, need to be attended to how often? Every day. To ignore this daily process would mean certain death for the soldier when in battle. Each morning, listen to this, they had to rub oil into the leather of their battle shield. If this process was not done daily, the battle shield would crack and split apart under attack. In the scripture, oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. It's so important to spend time daily in the Word of God, the Bible, and fellowshipping with the author of the book, who is the Holy Spirit. Without the touch of the Holy Spirit on your shield of faith, that battle shield, how many of you want the Holy Ghost on your battle shield? I do. Without the touch of the Spirit of God on your battle shield, it'll become hard, stiff, and brittle, and it'll break under attack. They had to put the oil in. How often? Every day. Now listen to this. I'm on my last page of notes, so just just hold on. No rush. Good. Before going to battle, now listen to this. This is really good here. Before going to battle... The Roman soldier would soak his shield in water until the shield was completely saturated. Now you say, well, why is that? Because the enemy had three types of arrows. And the Amplified actually calls them missiles. (laughs) But they were arrows and three types. One was a plain arrow with a sharp... Now now the enemy didn't shoot the suction cup arrows. How many have seen the suction cup arrows? Enemy doesn't use the suction cups. They were <laughs> they were either a plain arrow with a tip on it, you know, that sharp, like a razor blade tip. Now, I wouldn't want to get hit with one of them, would you? Okay, but that was just a plain arrow. And then they had flaming arrows. Now, I think about Dennis the Menace. How many remembers that when Mr. Wilson, right at the end, Walter Matthau got hit with that suction cup, with that, umbre- that umbrella, that marshmallow flaming? How many ever saw that? Mr. Wilson should have had his shield with him that day. But there was plain arrows, flaming arrows, and then there were arrows that when they were flying through the air, they looked like the plain old regular arrow with the razor blade tip, but when they would hit, they would they were combustible and they would explode upon contact. So why did the soldier soak his battle shield in the water? It's pretty clear. So that when the flaming arrow hit, or that combustible arrow hit, it would hit that shield. It was hard as steel, but would hit that shield, and that flaming fire would be extinguished upon contact. Isn't that interesting? 
And, 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 and if we look at Ephesians 6, what was it again? Ephesians 6.16, he says, Above all, we talked about that, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able... And that you will be able, that you will be able, as the word dunamis, you'll be empowered to what? To quench, excellent. See, quench that, quench. What does water do to fire it? Quenches it. And then that next, does it say some of? Does it say a few of? Does it say most of? Does it say almost all? It says what? What does it say? Does all mean all? Longest word in the dictionary is all. Say all. All. All but one. Did it mean it's all but one? All but, huh? All the fiery darts are flaming arrows of who? The wicked one, the devil. So the shield was soaked in water so when the devil or the enemy would shoot at the would shoot at the Roman soldier and hit that shield and it would extinguish, and that's what that's what Paul says our shields of faith are like. And, and, and we ought to spend time with the Holy Ghost every day, and, and and let that oil of the Spirit soak into our shields. And then the Bible says in Ephesians five twenty six talks about that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water. By the word, see our our shield of faith. We ought to be soaking in the word every day. Is that right? Yes or no? Because you never know when the devil is going to shoot a fiery dart. So on a daily basis, we ought to be rubbing in the oil, stay with the Holy Ghost, and and stay saturated with the Word of God. Is that right? Our shield of faith needs daily applications of water. The Word and oil, the Holy Spirit. Now, the ceremonial shield, I'm convinced that he probably only gave attention to that occasionally. But the battle shield had to be dealt with every single day. Now, I want to leave you with a couple of final thoughts. Here's another way to understand the shield of faith. Remember we told you in the first session the devil's primary method of attack is through Thoughts. Is that correct? Is that right? And he goes for your mind. Is that right? And, and I like this shield of faith. I heard a preacher say this, and it's so good. It, it really opened this whole thing of shield of faith up to me. He said, think of your shield of faith as your belief structure. Our system of what we believe. Okay? So our shield of faith, think of it as your belief structure. Your system of what you believe. And, and, and I, I'll show this to you by an example. Let's say you're listening to the television, you're listening to the radio, and there's a preacher comes on, and they say this, Jesus Christ is the virgin-born Son of the living God. That good? Does that get through? Yeah. What if, what if you turn on another station and they say, Jesus, he was a prophet and a good man, but I don't think that he was a, I don't think he was born of the virgin. 
Now, what happens when that hits that shield of faith? It, 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 it extinguishes it, and it, it bounces off of it. It, it. it extinguishes it, and that arrow falls before it ever gets through to you. Is that right? Uh, let's say you're listening, and, 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 and you're listening to this preacher on, on this pulpit or anywhere, and somebody says, uh, you know what? Maybe you're listening to a talk show. And they bring somebody on there, you know, and some famous person. And they say, well, you know, there's many roads. They all lead to heaven. Many ways. You know, if somebody's sincere with Buddha or somebody's sincere with Muhammad and Allah, as long as they're sincere, they'll go to heaven. Does that get through? Your shield of faith zaps it, doesn't it? But what if you hear somebody say that Jesus is the only way to the Father? Does that get through? Here's one. Um, If you'll send in, uh, make a vow and send in $1,000 within the next 30 minutes, then in the next seven days, you know, miracles beyond measure is going to be coming your way. Does that get through? No. It's zapped, isn't it? But, but if you hear somebody say, be faithful, be consistent, purpose in your heart what you're going to give, be a tither, be a giver, be consistent, and, and over time, God will supply all your needs. Does that get through? What about this one? You're just a no good nothing. You've never been nothing. You're going to never amount to anything. Does that get through? No, it's, but, but you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're the head, not the tail, above, not beneath. Does that get through? What about this? Things are just never going to get any better. They're just so horrible and they're just... No. Do you see how this... It's your belief structure. That's why you need to know the Word of God. So that which is right gets through and that which isn't gets extinguished. And then finally, these battle shields that these soldiers had, they had hinges on the side of them. On each side, there were hinges what were those, those hinges for? Well, what they were for is they would go into a battle together and the soldiers, what they would do is they would hook their shields together and they would create like a big wall and the soldiers then would march in unity and in unison together into battle with their shields of, their shields, our shields of faith, their shields hinged and hooked together. Isn't that powerful? And the Bible says in Ephesians 4.13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, we as a local church, we should understand that we're not in this battle alone. We're in the battle. We have one another. And we ought to take our shields of faith and hook them together and come into the unity of the faith. Well, we may not agree on all the little bitty non-essential things, you know, know, like who the Antichrist is or what nation the Antichrist is going to rise up out of or, you know, things that, you know, know, people will fight wars over that, you know, or who the two witnesses are or, you know, that sort of thing. We may never agree on all of that. But we can agree on who Jesus is. And that's what we ought to do. Agree on who Jesus is and then hook our shields of faith together 
and go into battle together. Can you say amen? And not only that, not only that, it'd be, wouldn't it be good if we could hook as, 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 as spirit-filled, I mean, believe in speaking in tongues, Holy Ghost people, wouldn't it be nice? I, I can hook my shield together with the Baptists. Huh? Well, I don't believe in the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, but they believe on the Jesus of the Bible. I can hook my shield with them. Now, now, I can't hook my shields with the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witness. I love them, but I can't hook my shields with them because they don't have the Jesus of the Bible. Do you understand that? But I can hook my shield up with whoever believes on the Jesus of the Bible, even though we may not agree on all the piddly other things that are non-essential, but I can hook my shield together with anybody that believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. What if somebody says, well, you know what? I don't think there is a hell. I don't think there really is. Does that get through? How many know there is a heaven, there's a hell, right? They're both eternal and all that. But see, anybody that believes on Jesus and believes there's a heaven and a hell and you miss hell by receiving Jesus and trusting in him, I can hook my shield with theirs. Did you hear me? And then finally, I'll leave you with this. 1 Timothy 1.18 King James, Paul told young Timothy, he said, this I charge, I commit this, this charge I commit to thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before in thee, that thou by them mightest war, a good warfare. And then he said, holding, holding what? Holding, do you see it? Verse 19, holding. He's talking about that shield. Where are we supposed to hold that shield? That faith and a good conscience which some having put away concerning what? Faith have made shipwreck. Let me tell you this. If you don't hold the shield of faith out in front of you, you'll wind up shipwrecked. I taught you a message today about saving your life. Amen? Did you get anything out of it? Amen. Amen.